This is the Dairy Brothers Tribecast, a podcast for diehard Cleveland Indians fans. Presented to you by WaitingForNextYear.com. Now, here are the hosts, Matt and Todd Derry. What's up, everybody? Matt and Todd Derry with you. It is another installment of the Dairy Brothers Tribecast here on a Monday, March 22nd. You hear us on WaitingForNextYear.com. And we're brought to you by our friends at the Center for Advanced Dentistry, Dr. Ben Hornstein, and also BreakingTea.com slash Dairy, the best t-shirts around. Again, Todd, uh, a big show today. Our guest, our special guest, coming up in a matter of moments, the legendary voice of the Indians. There's nobody else. He's the voice of the tribe. Tom Hamilton, in year 31 on the radio side, is going to join us momentarily. Very exciting to have Hammy on the show today, no question about it. I cannot wait. This is quite an honor. Uh, we've had many esteemed guests on this show from Andre Knox, Zach Meisel, Mandy Bell. But, of course, nothing could be better than having the one and only, oh, and Ant Verk, of course, the one and only Tom Hamilton, voice of the Indians. I'm very excited. You know, Tommy, I'm sure, will give us great nuggets. He is a tenured professor, after all. He can say whatever he wants. So, <laughs> I don't know very about that. Exciting, <laughs> very exciting. Very uh, exciting to have him join us on the pod today. There's a lot we got to get into, and we'll get into it with Hammy in a second. Uh, the biggest news, obviously, is that this center field position uh, is in audition is uh, flat out wide open. Bit of a stunner yesterday that Oscar Mercado, before their spring training game um, yesterday with Texas, sent down to minor league camp. And, and so basically now, Todd, I, I mean, center field looks like it could be Gamble, Luplo, Bradley Zimmer, and that's probably not Ahmed Rosario. Probably not what we expected to happen. Yeah, um, I certainly didn't see this coming. I figured after last season with Oscar um, that he would, you know, have a really good off season, work super hard, come back more confident guy. But if you've seen the at bats in these games that have been televised, he looks exactly like he did last year which is someone lacking in confidence and when that happens that's not a guy you want to be trotting out there every day it looks to me like if they you know if they could go back and get Ahmed Rosario ready they would but he's not ready yet uh so he's going to kind of be doing this on the fly and Bradley Zimmer is going to be probably your opening day uh center fielder now there's a statement that I never thought I would say but hey it's one last crack. You never know. Maybe they'll catch lightning in a bottle, and the uh, Zimmer that they all thought that they were drafting in the first round uh, will finally appear. Keep in mind, too, that there's a chance when the uh, Indians open up in Detroit against uh, the unnamed team that the unnamed team could start two lefties uh, right away, back-to-back. Spencer Turnbull is uh, on some sort of COVID protocol, so it could be Matt Boyd in the opener, and he's a lefty, and then it could be Tark Skubal, as a second starter, as a lefty. So then that would mean what? Who w- Would you play Zimmer and try him out against lefties? Would you try Rosario, even though he's barely played center field? All of a sudden, this remember, this was a team that was so left-handed heavy years ago, then it got right-handed heavy again, and now it's back to being sort of left-handed slanted. So Tito's going to have some, some uh, you know, uh, so some maneuvering to do the first couple of games of the season. Absolutely. And, you know, between that and what you're going to do in the bullpen in the closer spot, what you're going to do uh, with the fourth and fifth spot in the rotation, what you're going to do at first base. There's so much still up for grabs and we're two short weeks away, right? 
or is it a week away? We're, I, a week, I, I, a week and three days. A, a week and three days away, two weeks from the home opener. That's what I was getting. Yeah, but not but, not that I'm counting down to April first or anything. I can't. You know, the offer is still on the table for you to drive into. Uh, to meet me for opening day. Because <laughs> you know I'll be there. Uh, I know. I know. Right, what an honor for us to bring in the best in the business, the longtime voice of the Cleveland Indians on the radio side. 31 years this year for Tom Hamilton, and he joins us right now on the TribeCast. Tom, uh, what's up, buddy? Well, great to be with you, Matt and uh, Todd. And, yeah, it's just uh, getting anxious. You know, it's that time of camp where – I think everyone is is ready as much as you love the weather in Arizona, you know, to get going and play games that count and, uh, you know, see what is going to unveil itself over the next six months. So kind of chomping at the bit to get going, especially with, you know, as, as relatively close to a normal season as we can have. We were talking before we hit record here about your schedule. And, and of course, last year you were calling games, road games off a monitor. What's What's the plan for this year? Well, I'm afraid it's going to be very comparable to what it was a year ago. They're still not uh, allowing us access to the clubhouse or to be around the ball club in any capacity. And so we're not going to be able to travel with the team like we normally are in you know, doing so in the past. So you're kind of on your own in regards to travel. I think every ball club is going to make its own decision on that. But I think for the most part, teams are going to do what they did a year ago, and that is, you know, at least up until the All-Star break or maybe sooner we'll have a decision after vaccinations on, you know, whether or not we can get back to being with the ball club. But otherwise, we'll be at, at the ballpark in Cleveland, a progressive field, you know, for every game, you know, either doing the home games as you would or doing the road games off a monitor. Now, we are going to drive up to Detroit at least for the season opener, just because it, you know, it's a season opener. Yeah. You just hate like heck to do that off a television monitor, and it's it's an easy drive to Detroit. It's you know a day game, so and you can stay in downtown Detroit, which I love doing, and, and walking to the ballpark. There's a there's a thought I have. I, I'm trying to get into the ballpark first off, so I can come see you, or I will be standing on the rooftop of the Detroit Athletic Club. <laughs> The DAC to, to be there, Tom. You know, you know, I will be there in my in my red, white, and blue somehow. Yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that, Matthew. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's not a bad view from up there. I mean, we always see that part. That you know, I, I like coming to Detroit. You know, we stay out in Birmingham, which is a a great community. But uh, being from Wisconsin, I took the boys, my my two sons, one Thanksgiving when the Packers played the Detroit Lions and. You know, we stayed at that old Cadillac building, the Weston, and, yeah. and I loved that because you could you could walk to Ford Field, you can obviously walk to Comerica Park, and so that that's kind of what we plan to do here initially. I, I just think some guys want to travel more than others. I mean, all of us want to travel, but we get kind of spoiled traveling with the ball club. You start traveling all over the country commercially, and you find out what the real world is all about. I don't... I don't know how these business people do it traveling all across the country three, four times a week. So I, I think for the most part, we'll be back in Cleveland most of the summer. Well, as someone who does that for my real job, I can attest <laughs> to it. Being home the last year has been a really nice change for me. And to be honest, I've always thought people were disgusting. But, you know, that's that's a whole other subject for another time. 
But yes, you're right. You walk through an airport and it's uh, that's how it's going to be. So now, now that you're out in Arizona and you've gotten a feel and a look at the team a little bit, what is, what's been the most surprising development that you've seen thus far in your time there? Uh, I, I think, Todd, I didn't realize how good some of our up-and-coming prospects are and will be, you know, if they continue on this t- trajectory because uh, there's really a lot of young talent that's not that far away. And uh, I think some of it could actually emerge at some point in Cleveland this summer. Uh, the Owen Miller kid, to me, has been the most impressive young hitter that we've seen in a long time. And, and a lot of people wouldn't even know who Owen Miller is. I know him a little bit because I'm, I'm friends with his aunt and uncle. But he's from a little town called Fredonia, Wisconsin, north of Milwaukee. Went to Illinois State, a place that, you know, I don't think any of us have heard of many major leaguers coming out of Illinois State, if any. And, you know, he was part of the package that the Indians got from San Diego for Mike Clevenger. He's maybe one of those names that, you know, the Indians acquired last summer that people probably just kind of overlooked or didn't pay any attention to. And I think he plays with the Indians at some point this summer. He's one of the best young line drive hitters that we've seen in a long time. And as Tito said, he hits good pitching. And that's the separator for me. And, you know, there are plenty of guys that are mediocre pitchers in the major leagues. And guys can feast on those. But the guys that separate themselves are the guys that can hit good pitching. And Owen Miller has shown this summer, he can, or this spring, that he can hit good pitching. Now, where he plays, I don't know. The Indians are kind of moving him all over the diamond. But with his bat, and he's not not a defensive liability, it's just they don't know what his best position is. But guys like him, Gabriel Arias, who also came in the trade with San Diego, uh, he's knocking on the door. He's not that far away. Uh, so some of those kids have been really eye-opening. Sam Hentges is a kid you're going to hear of in the very near future, maybe at some point this summer. And um, I, I was talking to a scout the other day from a, a National League team who was back on our back fields. Now, I can't even go to our back fields and watch the minor leaguers, which is part of the fun of spring training. But he being, you know, a scout, they're allowing that. And he said, I I think you might have the best farm system in baseball based on what he saw on the backfields. Now, those are kids we haven't even seen yet. The Espino kid, the Hankins kid, two pitchers that the Indians drafted here in recent years, and some other young position players coming. So, you know, I, if there's going to be, I think, a little gap before some of these kids get here and you may go through some growing pains like you always do when you're turning over the roster but what i see guys is not what they've had to deal with in detroit and in chicago and in kansas city and that is you go four or five years where you're losing 95 to 100 games every year because you're basically rebuilding from scratch that that's not going to happen in cleveland if there is a rebuild it might be where you have a year where you're around 500, and, you know, that's not bad. And that's something the Indians organization has been trying to do and thread that needle, which is so hard, and nobody really has been able to pull off. There's teams that have been great for a long time, you know, in, in the mid to small markets, and then they seem to fall all the way back with this major rebuild. But you got to give Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff a ton of credit because – 
they still have yet to have that bottom drop out. And it's a true testament to the way they are building this organization, which is great. Now, I have an off-topic conversation because you brought up uh, Illinois State. If For those listening to your broadcast as much as we all do and we love you, nobody way you do where tell me where does that come from your love of college baseball um you know it's a good question Matt I I think it's obviously been greatly influenced by the fact that you know we were blessed uh to have four healthy children two boys two girls and both my boys played at Kent State and I think anybody in the Midwest that knows anything about college baseball knows that Kent State has been a a mid-major power my gosh, for almost 30 years now. And the amount of kids that Kent State has put in the major leagues and, you know, Nick started on the team that played in the College World Series in 2012. Um, my other younger son, Bradley, he finished his career there. You know, he was a catcher first baseman. He started on the club in 2018 that that got to the NCAA Regionals at Texas Tech. And so, Obviously, you're greatly influenced by what your children are doing. But, you know, for a parent, you know, you may think your kid's pretty good in Little League or whatnot. But, you know, we never envisioned them being able to be scholarship division one players. And then they both played in the minor leagues. Um, So we know how fortunate we have been. I just love the college game at every aspect, be it football, basketball or baseball. I did Big Ten television games for basketball for 25 years. I did Savior basketball for almost 10 years. I I just love the freshness and maybe the the innocence of college sports. Now, I know it may be not as innocent as we once thought, but I can still live in that fairy tale land and, and think it is. And uh, there's still college kids who, for the most part, are thrilled to be playing in college. And so, and I I think, too, we've missed the boat sometimes in Major League Baseball. I don't think we do enough for the college game to make it a feeder system, much like college football is for the NFL. The NFL doesn't have minor leagues because of college football. And in a lot of ways, the same is held true for the NBA. And, uh, you know, baseball has put so many kids into major leagues off the college campuses and and i think i wish major league baseball did even more for the college game because i think for a lot of kids i know at least for my two boys they would not have been mature enough had they been good enough to be drafted out of high school they wouldn't have been ready for the for what i see in pro ball and having been in the minor leagues myself as a broadcaster for a number of years you know that's pretty tough when you're you're a high school kid getting mixed into the pro game and and boy you better have a very strong foundation to not go the wrong way and i just think i just think college benefits everybody and and um, i'm a big proponent of it and uh, like i say i think the boys being as involved in it as they were i mean th- those are memories that you take to your grave Gary brothers tribecast matt and todd with tom hamilton the legendary voice of the indians back for year 31 with the club. You mentioned some of the young guys before. I, I could joke and say, hey, can Owen Miller play center field now, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He might be the only guy they haven't tried out there. Right. Uh, you know, it just, uh, 
you know, they, they want to be careful, too, with some of these young kids, how much they throw at them, because they really want them, you know, to develop and, and become impact players. Uh, I don't think we'll see Owen Miller out in center field, and I don't know how the Ahmed Rosario experiment is going to go. Let's face it, guys, it, in a perfect world with Ahmed Rosario, you would have done this from day one in right. spring training. Yeah. But, you know, they had to see what they had at shortstop. I just don't know that anyone realized, not having had eyes on him daily, just how good Andres Jimenez is. I mean, in truthfulness, guys, the competition at shortstop, in my mind, was over before the game started. That's how good Jimenez was. That's nothing against Ahmed Rosario. But Jimenez beat Rosario out at short last year with the Mets right. for a reason. Yeah. And and so it continued this spring, and, and he is really good defensively. He's had a great spring hitting. We'll see how that translates in the regular season. But the thing about Jimenez is the Indians have another really good defensive shortstop. And we've you think of it, guys, we've been pretty blessed here. Um, and that, that goes back to the days of not only Omar Vizquel, but, you know, Johnny Peralta was pretty darn steady and pretty consistent as an everyday shortstop. And then, you know, we all saw what we had in Francisco Lindor. But, you know, in Jimenez, the Indians have another top-flight shortstop. And I think in a perfect world, had you known that, you would have had Ahmed Rosario in center field for day one of spring training. I think it's going to be really hard for him to get ramped up this quickly to be a guy that's a viable center fielder, you know, when the games start for real. We'll see. Bradley Zimmers had a good camp. Obviously, Oscar Mercado did not, and Mercado has been optioned out. And, you know, I think Zimmer will play a lot in center field. I think Ben Gamble makes this ball club, and I think he's a guy that's going to play some center field for the Indians. Jordan Luplo can play it in a pinch. But I think you can still keep working Ahmed Rosario into that mix some way, somehow, they've got to find a spot for Rosario's bat. I mean, the one thing about this club that I think we all acknowledge is it's limited offensively. And that's a bat that I think needs to be in the Indians lineup. Where, I'm not certain. Yeah, that's the main problem there because if Jimenez is obviously a shortstop. By the way, my brother, the great Matt Derry from day one when the Lindor trade was made, said Jimenez was going to be the guy, and he watched him all year last year and how great he was. I heard nobody else say that. Kudos to <laughs> there my, you go. Kudos to my Well, that, that's no, because no, I'm, I'm, in this, I'm in this NL-only fantasy league, and I do like the Mets, and, and Tom can vouch for me. I do love the Mets TV broadcast. I think they do a great job. <laughs> oh, they're phenomenal. Yeah. So I saw Jimenez, and I said, wait a minute, this is the kid in the deal? They Because I figured they'd move him to second. Move. Uh, oh, I, we can't call him Frankie, right, Tom? Francisco? To yeah, all of a sudden, that became a bone of contention. This is the same guy that when I asked him, Frank, he said, Tom, you call me whatever you want. I said, well, what I'm going to do, every game I'm going to call you both Francisco and Frankie. And that way both names get used. So, you know, I, I'm disappointed in some of the things that have come out from Francisco here. But, you know, I also look at some of the things I said and regret when I was 26. So I'll... I'll give him a pass. I still think Frankie's, you know, basically a good kid. I do think he has changed somewhat. 
And, you know, I, I personally don't think he'll sign with the New York Mets, but that, that's just my off-the-wall prediction. Well, here's a question for you regarding uh, the absence of Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. Who is now coming into a leadership role with this team? Because it seems like those two guys were really big presence uh, in the clubhouse, the both of them. Mm-hmm. You know, so who, who do you think takes that leadership role? You know, Adam Pletko, for a guy that's not going to pitch, you know, in the rotation, Adam Pletko has really evolved into a leader and, and in a really good way. I, I think on good teams, guys, first off, you're not blessed very often with guys like Mike Napoli and Jason Giambi that that people just gravitate to naturally, you know. And, and on most good teams, you have a multitude of, of leaders. I think back to the Indians teams in the 90s. You know, Sandy Alomar uh, was a, as big a leader as, as those clubs had. Later, Jim Tomey was a leader in his own way. You know, Charlie Nagy was. Every, you know, you had a multitude of people that were leaders. And on our good teams here in recent years, you know, the same has held true. Even Carlos Santana really emerged as a, a clubhouse presence and a respected veteran and a leader over his last few years with the Indians. So, you know, to your point, I think that's all part of the identity that we talk about a club needing to forge in the early months of a season. It, it's a new ball club. It's a new identity that has not been established yet. I think Ben Gamel, and this is why I think he makes our ball club, I haven't seen many newcomers come to a ball club, and I'm now saying this as a distant observer because I can't be in our clubhouse anymore and I can't talk to guys like I would always talk to them in the past because of COVID, but you can observe, and I talked to Tito about it the other day, and Tito vouched for it, that Ben Gamble came in here from day one and just jumped into everything. And that's hard for a newcomer, especially a guy that's really not been an everyday player. He's played five years in the big leagues, but he's normally been a reserve guy. Guys, he's just got that, you know, extrovert-type personality. It just looks like he really gets along with everybody, no matter what nationality you are. And and he's just got, you know, how some people just have that it factor. I think Ben Gamble's going to be one of those guys. And I think that's important on what is really a relatively young ball club. Shane Bieber has already emerged as a leader. It's just astounding to me how far he has come so quickly. And, you know, he just he's always done everything the right way. He just kind of clung to Corey Kluber in the early years to, to kind of copy everything Corey did. Corey's work ethic. Uh, Corey had, you know, the same routine every day. And Shane Bieber has taken that and run with it. And now he's emerged not only as the staff ace, but he's helping the younger pitchers. I mean, Shane Bieber is, boy, he's he's the whole package, guys. You know, I mentioned Adam Pletko. Nick Whitgren has been that in the bullpen. And that's where I say on good clubs, you need somebody in the bullpen. You need somebody in the rotation. You need an everyday player. Heck, I think you need a bench player like a Ben Gamble that keeps guys engaged. As far as the everyday players, that, that'll be interesting to see what emerges out of that. You know, Eddie Rosario is a veteran, but, you know, I never heard of him being a 
quote unquote leader with the Minnesota Twins. You know, he always plays the game hard. We'll we'll see how that changes, not changes, but we'll see if he emerges into a leader type. Yeah, I think Cesar Hernandez in a lot of ways can be. Even sometimes if you don't say anything, just the way he plays the game, the professional at-bats that he gives you. I mean, I think it's time for Roberto Perez to become that guy, too. Tom Hamilton with his voice of the tribe. Uh, Indians getting ready for the real thing coming up April 1st in Detroit. There's still some jobs to be won, Hammy. You mentioned uh, Nick Whitgren. Could he close, or could it be Karen Chack mm-hmm. or Class A? What about first base? And and certainly there's there's still some some battles there, right? Yeah, there are. And, um, you know, I, I think we will know a little bit later this week. I don't think you're going to see it come down to next week, you know, when the Indians finish up exhibition play on uh, Tuesday of next week uh, here in Phoenix. I, I think the decisions are going to be made before then. I think they need to be made before then. In my mind, I, I, to me, it's a slam dunk. Bobby Bradley's your first baseman, but Jake Bowers is out of options. I, I guess that's going to play a part of it. Um, to me, Bobby Bradley went lost 35 pounds. He's out hitting Jake Bowers by over 200 points. Bowers doesn't have an RBI. Bradley has a couple of homers, 11 RBIs, five doubles. I mean, it, to me, it's been a no contest, but... I'm not the one that makes the decision, and no one's ever called me before these decisions were made and asked my opinion. But if you're talking about from what I've observed, I think it's a no contest. As far as, you know, the outfield, you know, Jordan Luplo's going to be there. He'll he'll be ready and, and primarily play against left-handed pitching. Josh Naylor's had kind of an up-and-down camp, but I think he's a young kid. you got you got to put them out there and play them. Yeah. I think this is a year, guys, where you got to find out about some people. And the only way you find out about young players is play them, whether it's Bobby Bradley, uh, whether it's Josh Naylor. I mean, you got to play these guys. Uh, the same really, in my mind, holds true for Yu Chang, although I don't know where you play him because you're pretty well set in regards to the infield. I think Nick Whitgren does get the save opportunities early. Um not that Karen Shack and Class A aren't closer material. I just don't know if you trust them yet to throw strikes. And I think what you're going to see with Tito in this bullpen, whether it's Nick Whitgren or Class A or Karen Shack, I think they could be all used at various times in the ball and, and try and get maybe multiple innings out of some of these guys. Maybe, maybe it's a situation where you need a punch out with one out and runners at second and third in, say, the sixth inning, and you go to Karinczak to get that couple of, get, if nothing else, get the strikeout for the second out and whatever you get for the third out, no run score, and then maybe he comes out and pitches the seventh, and then Class A the eighth and Whitgren the ninth. I could see all three guys being used that way. What Tito wants are guys that can give him multiple innings, not just one inning. And it doesn't mean you're going to keep going to these guys for multiple innings. But I think early in the year, until roles are really established, I think you'll see guys used that way. And the bullpen is going to be important for every club, as it is every year. But because of the shortened season a year ago, because you might have youngsters who, you know, didn't even pitch last year because they weren't, you know, in a minor league season, 
your your depth is going to be tested. The, the Trevor Steffen kid has been impressive. The Rule 5 kid the Indians got from the Yankees throws in the 90s. But again, we, we don't know how these kids are going to react to being in the major leagues. There's a reason that they were left, you know, exposed to the Rule 5 draft, and that's because the Yankees didn't feel he was ready and they had too many other players to protect. So, But again, I think it's the year where the Indians can take a chance on an arm like that and, and try to protect him and use him in situations where he succeeds and, and let his confidence grow from there. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm still intrigued by center field, guys. I, you know, I think initially it's Bradley Zimmer, but um, let's see how, you know, if Ahmed Rosario can play that spot. If nothing else, guys, it gives you a right-handed bat again on a day where you're facing a tough lefty. I'll tell you what, you, you know, you were talking about Bobby Bradley and Jake Bowers. Last week, there were three games in a row, well, actually it was three and four, where Tito basically used the same lineup, and it looked like it was going to be the everyday uh, opening day lineup. He had Bowers in there at first base with kind of like the A group, and Mercado started those first two games. Then he flipped it to Zimmer when uh, yesterday when uh, Mercado was sent down. But I think that is kind of a tell in a way. However, he also gave that spot to Mercado for a couple games, and then it went away. So that's the most interesting battle there is to me. Um, but the other one is the last rotation spot. We all talked about seemingly Cal Quantrill seemed like a lot to me, and Tristan McKenzie were kind of going to be those guys. And then Logan Allen has been the best of the bunch uh, this spring. And I know with a few days off early, they're not going to need a fifth starter for the first couple weeks. How do you think that's going to shake out? Yeah, I, I, you know, those are, are, as you said, really intriguing battles. At first phase, to your point, I think they've played ours as much as they have because he's out of options. It's almost like they're bending over backwards to give him an opportunity to prove that he's done the job. Where Bobby Bradley, they can send back and and not lose him and expose him to waivers. I I know there's there's concern that they they lose Bowers. If I'm at a point here where it's like, well, how much more time does he need to prove what he is? And uh, I also I also think there are times where you send a message to the rest of your kids in the minor league system. Bobby Bradley busted his tail all winter. He lost 35 pounds. He worked his tail off. He has dominated Bowers in camp. At some point, that has to mean something. Otherwise, you get kids in the minor leagues that go, well, what the heck? So that'll be that'll be an interesting decision. I, my mind's made up, but again, it doesn't matter what I think. As far as the rotation, I'm with you. But Logan Allen's another example. Lost 35 pounds um, since last summer. And this is a guy the Indians were really high on in that uh, Trevor Bauer trade between the Reds and uh, the Padres and the Indians. And so he just had to get himself in shape. And I think he saw the writing on the wall last year that, you know what, what I'm doing isn't good enough. He's got the stuff to be a really good left-handed starter. And right now he's outpitched the competition. He's outpitched McKenzie. He's outpitched Quantrill, and so um, I'm I'm with you on that one. Cal Quantrill's just had a, a tough spring, and, um, you know, he really wants to be a starter. The Indians want him to be a starter, 
So I don't know. Maybe he needs more time. You know, what you're going to need, guys, is I'm not sold on Tristan McKenzie being able to make 32 starts. And uh, until he does, to me, the, the jury is still out. He's never been able to really kind of shoulder that workload, even in the minor leagues. I mean, when you're 6'5", 165, I wonder if that body can hold up to 32 starts. Hopefully it can, but I, I just think, as always, you're going to need eight starters. Um, whatever five you break camp with, and you better have three more that are ready to go at the AAA level because you're going to need them, and I think this year more so than ever. You know, we have a lot of young kids in the rotation that have never come close to pitching 200 innings. So depth of your rotation is going to be critical, I think, this year more so than ever. Final question for Tom Hamilton. We appreciate his time. We uh, we love talking to him. We could go all day with you, Ham. You know that. But let's, you know, I'm going to throw you the, the curveball at the end here. Um, you know what people say nationally about the Indians. Tito's staying. Antonetti didn't go to New York. Chernoff didn't go to New York. People nationally always have so much respect for this organization, how it's built. Tito mentions it all mentions it all the time. Locally, and I fill in and do some shows on the fan uh, and 92.3 sometimes back home, locally people are angry with the organization. They're like, oh, you know, everybody leaves. Lindor leaves. The owner won't, won't, won't pay the freight. What, what do you, what, when you talk to fans, what do you say about Paul Dolan and where this franchise is right now in 2021? Well, first off, because I know him and I've worked for him, he's the kind of person you want to work for. He's who you want as your boss. They are the kindest people, and there's no agenda with the Dolan family. What you see is what you get. They're really good people. And when people say, well, why does no one leave? That's why. I mean, in this day and age, I don't care what your business is. When you work for people that you feel are quality human beings, that treat you well, that compensates you fairly, and and let you do your job without always interfering or looking over your shoulder, I mean, my gosh, that's Camelot in the work world today. And that's why Chris and Cherney and Tito stay here. And I get real tired about hearing what the Dolan family hasn't done. They had the highest payroll in the history of the franchise in 2017 with a hundred and almost $50 million payroll. And if we don't win 22 games in a row in August and September, we would have drawn less than 2 million people. Now explain that to me coming off a world series, coming off the signing of the biggest free agent on the market that winter. And that was Edwin Encarnacion. And you're going to draw fewer people than the year before? And, and you're not even scratching $2 million unless you win 22 in a row that got you crowds in September you normally don't get? That, that to me, is you know people speaking out of both sides of their mouth. I, I don't know what more they need to do um, to get people engaged. And it's like, you know, that's great. Everybody wants to go to the playoffs. But, you know, what about the journey? What about coming to the ballpark, you know, during the regular season. I mean, since uh, 2013, this ball club has won more games than any team in the American League. It's gone to the playoffs five times. You know, it's gone to the World Series. It's averaged, even last year, if you would have 
carried out the season at the winning rate that they were at, they've won an average of 95 games over the last four years. I mean, again, I don't know what more people want. Has has October been disappointing the last couple of years? Yeah, but whose fault is that? I mean, if Francisco Lindor goes two for 17 in the playoffs, there's a reason why you're losing. And, and I'm not pinning it on Frankie. I'm just saying, you know, Edwin Encarnacion in his two years with the Indians did nothing in postseason play. When you get to postseason play, your stars have to play like stars. And, you know, we had an incredible run in 2016 to get to the World Series. I thought we had a better ball club in 2017. That's also the beauty of postseason baseball yeah. uh, compared to the other sports. So when I hear people say that, I'm kind of like, okay, um, what have the Browns done over the last 30 years? They finally had a winning season. Well, they've had a top five pick every year over the last 20 years, it seems like. so. And I'm not picking on the Browns, but it's like, you know, I heard some of the same complaints when we'd go to Detroit. It's like, hey, folks, for 10 years, the Tigers went to spring training every year with a chance to play in the World Series. What more did the Illich family have to do? And, you know, you, you hear this constantly. I love what the Royals have done. I, there's no one I respect more than Dayton Moore. But outside of the back-to-back World Series years, the Royals have primarily not had a winning record every year. And so I don't want baseball seasons like that. I don't want to go to spring training going, well, if we can just avoid 100 losses, it'll be a heck of a year. Um, th- that's Part of what I don't understand is folks not enjoying the fact that you know, even this year, even with the losses the Indians have had, most people feel like the Indians are a playoff contender. Will that come to fruition? Well, as Herb used to say, that's why we play the games. None of us knows how the next six months is going to unfold. But one thing you know as an Indians fan, you've got hope once again this year. Is it as good a team as last year? I don't think so, at least not on paper. But how do we know that some of these young kids don't come through? What you do know is... There is a legitimate chance that this ball club is in the playoff hunt because of the players that are still here. Most cities would die for that, and I I don't quite know why the Dolan family has become uh, an easy target, a whipping boy, and I blame a lot of that on the media, in all honesty, in addition to some of the fans. But, you know, it's it's a town that never talks about baseball. It doesn't get great coverage locally. No. And and so, you know, it's you've got a lot of people that are in the media that don't know baseball. And and so, you know, they just kind of take all these low lying fruit and and that's kind of what they, you know, try to either get clicks or calls on. And so, you know, I feel bad for the Dolan family because I know how good they are and what kind of people they are. And at the end of the day, guys They've given this city a chance to experience winning baseball eight consecutive years. That just doesn't happen in a market the size of Cleveland, especially when you're lucky to draw two million fans anymore. So to me, they've done their part. And, um, you know, if people don't like it, well, they're not coming to the park anyway. There isn't a whole lot that I can do about that. It's disappointing. And I'm not going to tell a fan how to spend their money. That is certainly none of my business. But I just don't like to hear people complain when you've had this kind of a winning product year in and year out. And I think the future looks bright. 
And if, if people don't want to look at it that way, I, I just, you know, there isn't much I can say about that. It's disappointing, but uh, uh, I'm telling you, they've, they've been great owners, and you don't keep people like Chris and Cherney and Tito unless they're working for somebody they really believe in. Hey, man, Tom. Uh, appreciate the time. You do a, a, an amazing job. You and Rosie are uh... – you're with it. We're with you all summer, man. I mean, uh, Todd's usually at almost every game, and um, we love we That's love right. what you do. We we appreciate you so much, and uh, thanks for a few minutes here. Oh my gosh, guys! Thank you. I appreciate being on with you. There he is, folks, the voice of a legend, Tom Hamilton, radio voice of the Indians. Of course, at Jim Rosenhouse on eleven hundred AM. WTAM. I remember. I, I I wish we could call it three WE from back in the day. I was but almost going to say WWWE. <laughs> grew up listening to one Gary D on the, on, the, on the big one, the large one. Gary D is your mama. That's right. How good was Hammy? Oh my goodness! What a what a what a god! Let me tell you something. I knew he was going to be good. I had no idea he was going to be that good. <laughs> that was awesome. So I really hope everybody enjoyed it because. If, in the pantheon of great guests, that might be the goat right there. He was something else, man. He was something else. <laughs> think, think, think. He has a, a horse in the race or first base. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen. He, I, I'm proud to know that Hammy and I are both big fans of T, uh, Bobby Bradley. So, but you know what? He does make one great point. If Bobby Bradley and Logan Allen, for that matter. They go and they work so hard in the offseason and their bodies have transformed. They have a great spring. And then it's you're just not going to give them the job. What is that? And he said it. He goes, what does that say to the other young guys? And I totally I, I thought that was a really great point. All right, uh, that'll do it for us here on uh, WaitingForNextYear.com. It's been the Dairy Brothers Tribe cast. Again, we'll be doing this weekly. Thanks to Dr. Ben Hornstein, the Center for Advanced Dentistry. Go go check them out. At, uh, is it cfad.net? Is that right? Yes, yes. And don't forget about Dr. Sean Schlussel as well. Oh, yeah. Got to give, gotta, gotta give Dr. Sean his props as well. And uh, also, uh, breakingtea.com slash dairy. Go there, get your tribe gear, get your Jose Ramirez T-shirt, your Zach Plesak T-shirt, all the shirts that they have there, the Tristan McKenzie shirt, which I have. Use the promo code TRIBECAST10 and get 10% off. Todd, we'll do it again next week, buddy. Sounds good, brother. All right, uh, go Jayhawks, uh, Wolverines for Jeremy and the Orange. The Orange is back in the Sweet 16. You all hate it? Blue check mark nation. Screw <laughs> all of you. The zone is back. Goodbye. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on!